screen. There it is. So John 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it or overcome it. So the word, the word, word in that passage, uh, the Greek word is logos. And this means basically something said, something spoken, with the thought, the reasoning and everything in behind, but basically a spoken word. And you can see that this is very uh, reminiscent of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God, nothing much happening. Nothing happens until the very first act of God, and that was God spoke. He spoke. Creation happened, light happened, life happened. And the wonderful thing about this communication was that it was two-way. God spoke, creation happened, and creation, human creation, spoke back. And there was a two-way communication going on with God. So you could say God is a speaking God, and you could also say in the beginning was communication. Communication, there it is. Um, all throughout the Gospel of John, you will see this theme of communication. You will see the words testimony, witness, testify, speak, voice, word. You will see these words all the way through the Gospel. What does it say to us? That God is a speaking God. God wants to communicate with us. And I'm going to give you a whole lot of scriptures today. So this is going to be an old-fashioned sermon with a lot of Bible. I even bought my Bible with me. Fantastic. And this is the baby one. I have a very fat one that I have to tie up with string so nothing falls out. But we've got the baby one here today. So I'm going to read these scriptures. John 3.11, we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. John 8.18, Jesus bears witness to himself, and his Father bears witness to him. 8.31, continue in my word and know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 8.37, you seek to kill me, my word finds no place in you. 8.43, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. 5.39, you search the scriptures, yet you refuse to come to me. John 15.3, you are already made clean by the word I have spoken to you. 10.27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 15, 27, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, 
for you have been with me from the beginning. Why am I sharing all this today? Well, because I love this book. I love this book. And I know a lot of people struggle with this book. They struggle with reading it. They struggle with making sense of it, with understanding it, with getting anything personal or meaningful from it. But to me, it has become a treasured, valued possession. How did that happen? Well, God uses this to communicate to me and to you and to all those who will make the effort. And I use that word effort deliberately. To all those who will make the effort. The disciples in John, they followed Jesus. They chose to be with him. They chose to take the time. They chose to listen. And I believe we also have to make the effort. We're exhorted to hear it, to follow it, to obey it, to continue in it, to keep it. And that's all just from John's Gospel. One of the reasons that I stand here today is because I was forced, coerced, to have a habit. I was forced into reading the Bible. And I was a Christian when I, I, at 19, I became a Christian, and I ended up living with a Christian family, a pastor and his family, and a few other hippies of the time, uh, in this household. Well, I was a bit rebellious. I know you find that hard to believe. Um, but anyway, the very first day, um, I disrupted the family, and I wouldn't wear what they wanted me to wear to church, and so I refused to go. And we were all going in convoy, and so everyone didn't go, and I sat. And I said, no, I'm wearing what I'm wearing. And the pastor said, no, you're going to wear that. And I said, no. Poor Newt's experienced this even this morning. So we said, I said, well, I won't go. Oh, well, we'll all wait for you. Fine, I don't want to go anyway. And this is how I began my life with the lovely Christian family. And um, so it went on largely. We missed the service, as you can imagine. Um, and so it went on until one day I got the shape up or ship out message. You either shape up or ship out. And I thought to myself, actually, I quite like this little family. They were quite loving, really, and uh, kind, accepting. So I thought, I'll go for the shape up option. And the shape up option was I had to spend five minutes after dinner every night in the room praying and reading the Bible. Initially, my reaction was, what? Ugh. Um, but I thought, okay, that can't be hard. So I would go in to my little room, sit on the bed, twiddle my thumbs, wait five minutes, 
and go out. And job done. Everyone happy? Fantastic. Next night, into the room, twiddle my thumb. And being an active soul, I thought to myself, well, actually, maybe I could fill the five minutes. And people normally, they pray a prayer or they might read something from the Bible. Maybe I should attempt that. So I attempted a prayer which lasted about one minute, and that was all I could think of, and then waited the four, and out I went. So this went on until I actually filled the five minutes. Amazing. And then one day I did ten minutes. And the family outside were thinking, gosh, has she been raptured? What's happened? Uh, Where is she? Uh, But no, 10 minutes. It all took me a little bit longer. I had a little bit more to pray, and I read a little bit more. Incredible. And so it went on until I found myself in that room uh, for about three hours, most nights for about three years. And why was I doing that? Well, because I found that God was actually speaking to me. He was speaking to me. So what happened? The first thing that happened was I was forced to have a habit. Forced to have a habit. So part of my message today is I want to encourage a habit. Just like Matthew has said, he's got his little thing there. And every day, he's going to seek to pray for those people. He's going to establish a habit. So I am pro-habit when it comes to this book. I know people can use these lovely words of legalism and whatever. Call it legalistic, whatever you like. You need to have a good habit with regard to this book. Communicating with God does not just happen. And I think... Uh, God understands this. We can see the example of the manna in the wilderness. What does God say to the people? He says, go out every day. And how much do we take? However much you can eat. In other words, uh, some people have big appetites. Some people have small appetites. Am I advocating three hours a night for everyone? No, I'm not. Do I do that now? No, actually I don't. But I do do every day and I do do a certain amount of time. But it's not about the quantity of time. It's about the quality of time. There's no legalistic amount of time. But there is about eating daily what God wants to give us. And so we eat according to our appetite. And our appetite will grow when we have a good habit. So, the manna came every day. And if we kept it, it rotted. So, I want to encourage us to have a habit every day. Eat something from the word, the spoken word, the living word, the written word. Eat something. The second thing that happened to me was a hunger happened. A hunger for God, for his word happened because of the habit. If you're expecting a supernatural hunger to come, sometimes it does for some people, but not for me. Largely, a hunger will come from a habit. 
you'll want more, you'll want more, you'll want more. And that's what happened for me. My praying took longer. The Bible spoke to me. I felt I was getting little nuggets of gold from this. And I wasn't, it was no great new revelation. But it was a revelation to me. And those words have been written on my heart because they came to me, not to someone else who passed it on to me, but I found them in this treasure trove. And so they are meaningful and real for me. The third thing I discovered was he was my help. God became my help and my confidant. Who else could I go to but to him? And I found that I could lay my life out before him. I could talk to him. I could communicate to him. And much to my shock and surprise, God actually communicated back to me. And so I sensed he was my presence and my help. So through these times with God, God did exactly the same as he did in Genesis 1, verse 1. He created in me. He created good things. I didn't love people. I didn't like people very much. But bit by bit, God created a love for people, a caring about people. He created light in me. He dispelled the darkness. I used to lead seances and things. He dispelled that darkness, and he gave me light where I could see clearly. And he gave me life. He gave me a purpose to be here. He removed the the heaviness of life. I never wanted to live very long. I didn't think I would live very long. I had no uh, sense of being important to the world, to live very long. In fact, there's a scripture. I found a scripture for this, Jeremiah 6. And it says about you are a spiritual tester. And I discovered that scripture and I thought, that's what I am. I am a spiritual tester. I have come to this Christian family, this pastor and his wife, to test how spiritual they are to test if they can be loving in the midst of terrible things, Um, if they can love someone like me. Oh, I'm a spiritual tester. That was my purpose in life. God didn't have a purpose for me per se, but my purpose was to test them so they could be better people and be a blessing in the world. So that was my attitude to life. But as I spent time with God, he began to give me a sense of life. That I was a living person born to have communication with a living, speaking God. And that he had something for me to do, not just to test other people. So he gave me life. So God's words also create belief. 
John 1, 7 says, John came for testimony to be a witness to the light that all might believe through him. John 5, 24, he who hears my word and believes has eternal life. John 6, 68, Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Romans 10, 14, how can they believe without a preacher? And how can we have the preaching without faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How shall they hear unless the word is spoken? So what comes first? The spoken word comes first and then faith. We want to be people of faith. We must have the spoken word in our lives and in our mouth. Faith will come from that. Faith comes from this book. And my concern in this generation is hardly anyone knows this book. So many Christians who have been Christians for many, many years have never read this book through. They have avoided Leviticus, like Sam said last week. There's some good things in Leviticus. Never read this book through. Like to read all the promise box uh, scriptures. We need to have this book in our hearts. We need to know it. We do need to know it. It's important if we're to have faith and to be able to stand when things might get rough. And as in the beginning, so in the end. Revelation 19, uh, what does it say? It says, we overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. What will my testimony be? Will I be able to overcome? Will I be strong enough? Will I know what the Bible says? And will I stand for it? Will I have faith enough to stand? In the end, there's the word of God. And the word of God is the rider on the white horse that comes at the end of the book. The word of God. And the armies follow the word of God. So if we want victories in our life, we want to see our friends get saved. We want to be able to stand when things are difficult. We need this book. If we speak this book, if we believe this book, book and the words that God has spoken, both written and directly to you, then we can have confidence that we will have faith to be able to stand and overcome. I want to encourage us to honour this book in our lives afresh, to give it five minutes every day to make it something that we will eat so that it will become part of us, so that we will gain faith, so that we will believe and be able to stand in the days of trial that may or may not come. But also because we'll know 
Our God is a communicating God. He is the Logos. He is the one who speaks. And he continues to speak if we will put ourselves in a position to hear. I'm going to finish with Romans 4, 20 to 21. And it says, Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God would do what he promised. His faith came from the promise, came from the spoken word to him. And because he heard the spoken word, he was able to be fully persuaded of the promise. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of this fabulous book that God wants to feed us every day if we will take the time to take a hold of it. I hope you will. Thank you.